brought a Bible, please take it out and open it up to 2 Chronicles chapter 17. 2 Chronicles 17. If you didn't bring a Bible, please grab one from under a seat in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, take that one home with you. Continuing on Wednesday nights, we're going through the, the Old Testament, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. In 2 Chronicles, again, we're now following the chronicler as he records for us the, the history of the, now the tribes of Judah, the, the southern tribes. Uh, they interact with the northern tribes yet, as we will see even this evening. Chapter 17, the last time we looked at the life of Asa, King Asa, who after a couple of successive kings, his father and grandfather, his great-grandfather Solomon, started off well, did not finish well, got taken, followed after, went against God's word that, that forbid the multiplying of wives, especially foreign wives, and he did that, and they led him into idolatry, and then with, the whole, that, with that, the whole nation as well. Then Solomon's son, and then grandson, now we, again, Asa, great-grandson, the succession of some, some kings that followed into idolatry. Asa was a good king, as we saw, a man who followed after God, like his great-grandfather David, never turned away to idols. We saw at the end that, he, that he, had, he, had some, he had some problems, he had some issues at the end, instead of relying on God as he did early on in his, in his reign as king, he started relying on his own understanding. He started, he, he, he sought after some help from some other kings without relying on God, and, and we saw that how that deteriorated even to the point of when God uh, sent a prophet to rebuke him for that, he even rebelled at that point. Never turning away to other gods, but certainly having a, a tough part at the end of his life as we saw last time. Now, as we mentioned last time, he passes off the scene. His son now, Jehoshaphat, takes over as king. He begins his reign at 35 years of age. And as I was kind of doing the math, kind of figuring some things out, because of that, when we were looking at chapter 14 last time, that if you'll remember, that's when the, though the, the army that Asa had was formidable, the million men came against them. And remember, he, he prayed and he cried out to God. And he said, you know, we are helpless in this situation. God, only you can save us. If you remember that prayer and how they did, and then how God defeated the army before them. Jehoshaphat was four years old at that time. And if any of you have children that age or grandchildren that age or can remember your children at that age, we have a four-year-old grandson right now. And it's amazing how much they absorb at that age. Things that you don't think they're paying attention to at all, they completely get it. They, they, you know, we think, yeah, he's not going to understand that and then come up with all, a list of 10 questions. Grandpa, what was this? And what's going on with that? It's like, really? Wow. And the stuff you want him to do, they, 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 they don't get. But, the, you know, but, but it's amazing. It's amazing how that four-year-old mind is just such a sponge. And I can only imagine how Jehoshaphat, as he saw his father, following after God and doing all of these things and even maybe even following him around as he's given all of these orders. And then he hears the word that there's this million man army coming against them and how he goes to God and he totally trusts God and he sees God deliver. I have no doubt that that had a huge impression on young Jehoshaphat and later on as new king 
at 35 years old. And I say all of that to reinforce, guys, parents, grandparents, the influence that we can have on our children and grandchildren, sharing with them the word of God, the power of God, and not just, not just sharing with them the word, but guys, live in it. If they see that we trust God, there's a much better chance that they're gonna grow up and trust God. If it's just words, but then when we get all, and then something comes against us and we get the bad news from the doctor or bad news from our employer or bad news in the mail and we freak out and we all this, they see that. They understand that. But if we say, you know what, guys, we need to pray about this. Let's all get together. Get them involved in the prayer. Get them around the table and pray. They're gonna grow up and they're gonna understand and they're gonna, they're gonna have a much better chance trusting God. We're going to see, unfortunately, that that isn't always the case. But guys, that, what an influence we can have on our kids and our grandkids. However, <laughs> verse six, or chapter 16, when we saw those things coming apart a little bit, as opposed to the next time when the, the, the Israel came against him, and instead of going to God again, he makes a deal with the king in Syria, way up north, and, and then when the rebuke comes, he, he instead of then repenting and turning back to God, even when the, he became sick and he has all of these problems, turning to God, he goes to the doctors. Uh, Jehoshaphat at that time is 30 years old. And again, we don't have any record of that, but I wonder if he was involved at all and, and you know, even watching dad as he's doing some things very closely, maybe a part of an advisory cabinet or something like that, and maybe he's thinking, hey, dad, how come you're doing it this way this time? And no doubt that impacted him as well in seeing that. But we're gonna see now as we look at Jehoshaphat, a good king, a good king, and a largely... Uh, great story that we're going to follow through here as we see him. Chapter 17, verse 1, Jehoshaphat, his son, then became king in his place and made his position over Israel firm, fortifying what is, you know, the, the, the strongholds and that, that, that are against to the north. He placed troops in the fortified cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah in the cities of Ephraim, which Asa, his father, had captured fortifying those against the north in case there's any problems with the north, separating them, keeping a distance, watching closely. By the way, as we will see shortly, the king at this time now up north is Ahab. Wife, Jezebel. Um, won't go into that a whole lot, but not, not, not good. I've never, I've never had a baby dedication for a Jezebel. Um, <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> um, the horribly wicked at the time to, the point, to this point, the most wicked king and queen that the North had ever seen, totally following after Baal's, this time of Elijah, the prophet coming against them, you know, the, the battle with Elijah and the prophets of Baal. That is all taking place, not recorded for us in Second Chronicles, but in Kings. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat, verse three, because... He followed the example of his father David's earlier days and did not seek the Baals. Now, some translations say he followed the example of David and his father in the earlier days, both of which would have been correct because, again, Asa in his earlier days trusted God completely. And we see that God, God blesses him. God is with him. 
but he sought the God of his fathers, followed his commands, commandments, and did not act as Israel did, the northern tribes. If you'll remember back in chapter 15, when Asa had that victory and the prophet came out to him and said, listen to me, Asa and Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you are with him, and if you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. As long as you seek after God, follow after his ways, he will be with you, he will bless you. And Jehoshaphat, again, no doubt, got that lesson early on from his dad. Following after this, he took great pride in the ways of the Lord, took pride in that, following after the ways of God, and again removed the high places and the Asherim from Judah. Now, when I think of that, it says, again remove them. Asa removed them, if you'll remember. That was one of, the be- one of the positive things that happened in the reign of Asa, especially early on. He removed them. It tells us now that he had to again remove them. What's the problem? What happened? Well, no doubt they took their eyes off of that. They said, okay, well, we've taken care of this. We, they, were, they were so diligent. Remember last time in chapter 15, how the whole country came together and they were so diligent in serving God and, and devoting their lives to God. But guys, that has to be a daily thing. That is not a one and done deal. Yes, our salvation is a moment in time, but we are to daily, daily crucify our flesh. We are to daily take up our cross. That is not a thing that we say, okay, yep, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, I wear it all the time. No, it is a daily thing. And we have to be careful that we don't get comfortable thinking, you know what, I got that taken care of. Bible says take heed lest you fall. That is something we have to pay close attention to. Even to the point, Bible says over and over and over, do not deceive yourselves. What does that say we have the propensity or the possibility of doing? deceiving ourselves, (laughs) convincing ourselves that, you know, this is okay, this behavior is all right, and and before you know it, the Bible says, search me, oh God. (laughs) Reveal it to me if there's any wicked way in me, anything that is a problem. I, I, I don't imagine that it was just one weekend that all of a sudden all the hills are full of high places again. It just maybe one here few years later, another one there, and it just went without notice, and before you know it, they're there again. But Jehoshaphat, being sensitive to the things of the Lord again, he goes back through and again removes the high places and the ashram from Judah. Then in the third year of his reign, he sent his officials, Ben-Hale, uh, Obadiah, Zechariah, Nathaniel, Micaiah, to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them, the Levites, and you can read their names yourself, uh, through the rest of there, the, some priests, Esramiah and Jehoram, they taught in Judah, having the book of the law of the Lord with them, and they went through all the cities of Judah and taught among the people. Guys, this is such an important part of this equation. Notice they removed all of the high places, but he didn't stop there. Once all the high places, they took care of all of that, then he sent out these people to teach the word of God city by city over and over because guys, it's not just enough to remove. You gotta remove and replace. Remove those things in our lives that, are, that cause us to stumble, that are, you know, those, that, that sin or not, get that over. But guys, then we have to replace it. Colossians chapter three speaks of taking off these things, removing these things. In, in uh, 
Verse four, therefore consider your members, your earthly body, dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and greed, and greed which amounts to immora- idolatry. Sorry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience, and in them you once walked when you were living in them. But you also put them all aside, put it all off. Notice, and then he lists anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, who is being renewed. Putting off those other things, but you have to put on something else. Paul says in Romans, put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. None. Put off those things, put on the Lord Jesus. Why is that so important? Well, Jesus speaks of the evil spirit that leaves and goes wandering around, can't find a place to land, comes back to the same person and finds it unoccupied. Swept up, cleaned up, and it says that he invites a whole bunch of friends with him and it's a whole lot worse when he comes back. Guys, if we don't deal with, and as, as Paul writes, and we'll just, I'll just pick one out of the list, anger. If you put anger aside, but you don't fill it with love, you don't replace it with, with the word of God and, and a passionate love for you know, agape love regardless, guys, anger's gonna come back and it's gonna be worse. It's not just removing, it's replacing. And that's, it's, I love how that, that, that's just, they took all of that stuff out, but it didn't just take it all out. Then he sent out, he sent out the teachers teaching the word of God all throughout the land. Verse 10, now the dread of the Lord was on all the kingdom of the lands which were around Judah so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. God placed this fear on all of the people all around as they are serving him and following after him and removing the evil and studying his word and being obedient. He puts fear in all of the people all around. Some of the Philistines, their own enemies, brought them gifts of silver and tribute to Jehoshaphat. The Arabians also brought flocks, 7,700 rams and 7,700 male goats. So Jehoshaphat grew greater and greater, and he built fortresses and store cities in Judah. He had large supply cities, uh, supplies in the cities of Judah and warriors, valiant men in Jerusalem. This was their muster according to the father's Households of Judah, commanders of thousands. Adna was the commander, and with him, 300,000 valiant warriors. Next to him was Johanan, the commander, and with him, 280,000. Next to him was Amasiah, the son of Zirki, or Zikri, who volunteered for the Lord, and with him, 200,000 valiant warriors. And of Benjamin, Eladia, the valiant warrior, and with him, 200,000 armed with a bow and a shield, and next to him, Jehozabad with 180,000 equipped for war. This is quite a fighting army we got here. And they're at peace. These are those who served the king apart from those who the king had put in the fortified cities. Those are just the ones in Jerusalem. Not to mention all those others that he had placed around. This amazing situation that we find our, that Jehoshaphat finds themselves in here now. Verse 18, or chapter 18. Here we see, unfortunately, a big mistake that he makes. Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and he allied himself by marriage with Ahab. 
the king in the north, the wicked king up in Israel. Everything is going great, and one of the things that was commonly done in that time to keep peace with your neighbors was to marry off your son or your daughter with the son or daughter of another king, and therefore that would be kind of helping make sure that there would be peace. Also helps you make sure you got an ear in the other palace that you can get information from if needed, but primarily it was done to, for peace. But he allies himself with what I said was at that time to that point, and, and still again, historically, we look at one of the most wicked kings in all of the history of Israel, and his wife, Jezebel, who tops them all. He allies, him, allies himself. He makes an alliance with them. Some years later, his son, by the way, is Jehoram, who will take the throne after him. He marries Ahab's daughter, Athaliah, which, not just, you know, spoiler alert in a few chapters, she's going to try to wipe out the, the line and kill all of the, all of the descendants. And if she would have been successful, she would have cut off the line of David, which would have made the prophecy that the Messiah will come through the line of David would have made that a false prophecy. But God, again, being sovereign, he keeps one alive, and we'll get to that in a few chapters. But anyway, some years later now, Jehoshaphat goes down to visit Ahab and Samaria. And notice the, notice the progression as we see it getting worse. First of all, remember at the beginning, he put up he put, up, he put up walls, he put up fortresses, he put up a, a separation between him and that evil. But then a little bit later, you know what? We can make an alliance. But the next step is he goes down to them. He goes down to visit Ahab in Samaria. And Ahab slaughtered many sheep and oxen for him and the people who were with him and induced him to go against Ramoth Gilead starts bribing him, puts out this big old feast, and then it says it induces him. And before you know it now, we're gonna see Jehoshaphat jumps into this thing completely, into his plan to go up against Ramoth Gilead. Guys, the Bible is, couldn't be more clear. In 2 Chronicles chapter six, do not be bound together with unbelievers does not say don't have anything to do with them. Guys, our job, the reason we're still here is to bring the gospel to unbelievers. We have to have interaction with them. We have to, we have to be among them, but it says do not be bound together with them. Do not, do not marry an unbeliever. Don't think you'll, that you'll be that one that'll be able to do it. You know, I, I, know the, I know the word of God says that, but man, God has told me that this is the one for me. And da, 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 no, no, no. Not if they're a non-believer. Don't go, don't get into business, work, running a business with an unbeliever. The Bible says don't do that. There's only problems ahead for that. You might think, well, I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna use that to lead them to the Lord. That, that might be a great, a great thought, but the Bible's for, Bible says don't do it. We're gonna see that, if we, time permitting, that he does that later on too. He tries to get into business with an unbeliever. He says, do not do that for what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness, and what fellowship, light and darkness. Guys, the, 
the whole thing in this is compromise. Taking a step of compromise. Again, the enemy is behind this. The enemy is controlling Ahab, no doubt. And they, the enemy realizes, man, Jehoshaphat, he's, he's taken out all, all, all of the idols. He's taken out all the high places. They got the word of God going. A full frontal attack isn't gonna work. I'm gonna try some subtle shots around here and maybe if we could just get him to compromise a little bit. And unfortunately, that's what happens. And look at what he says. This is how it even gets to this point in verse three. Ahab, the king of Israel, said to Jehoshaphat, will you go up with me against Ramoth Gilead? Look what he says. And he said to him, I am as you are. I am as you are? No, you're not. (laughs) You're nothing like Ahab. I am as you are, and my people are as your people. And we will be with you in the battle. Moreover, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire first for the, for the word of the Lord. Now that's backwards, guys, completely. <laughs> you don't agree to something, then pray. <laughs> that, the prayer should have come first. But he says now, okay, let's do this, but let's please inquire of the Lord for a word of the Lord first. Again, Jehoshaphat, a godly man, loves the Lord. Let's, let's apply. So the king of Israel assembled the prophets, 450 men, and said to them, shall we go up against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall I refrain? Now, knowing from our story back in Kings, the prophets that we, we would have assembled were not godly prophets. They weren't prophets of Jehovah, they were prophets of Baal. Find it interesting that here he has 400 prophets, 400 men that he could assemble. And that might have been quite a job filling duty because a few years earlier, if you'll remember from from the Elijah story, Elijah defeated and then killed 450 prophets of Baal. So there were a bunch of job openings at that point. We see at least four of them, 400 of them were filled, and here they are now, and they're coming, and he says, shall we go up to, against Ramoth Gilead, or shall I refrain? And they said, go up, for God will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, verse six, is there not yet a prophet of the Lord here? <laughs> he can see right through all of that. There's not, there's not a godly man in this group. Again, sensitive, to, sensitive enough to God and the things of God to know all Hang on a second. There's 400 men here. Is there anybody around that, that's a godly man, the prophet of the Lord, that we may inquire? The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. <laughs> For he never prophesies good concerning me, but always evil. And, you know, we, all, we chuckle at that. But guys, isn't it? Isn't that, don't we have that propensity in our flesh? I, I, I want to hear good things. You know, I, I don't want to hang around somebody who's always telling me bad things. But guys, bottom line is, if we know what's good for us, we don't want the good things. We want the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Oftentimes the truth hurts, especially if it's somebody coming again with a, a word of rebuke or a word of correction. None of us like that. But if we avoid that, we're going to really hate where it leads. 
Like I said, I, I chuckle at that too, but I'm like, Lord, if that's ever in me, take that away, because he never prophesies any good, but only evil, I hate him. He's Micaiah, son of Imla, but Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. We need to hear from him. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring quickly Micaiah, Imla's son. Now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, were sitting each on his throne, arrayed in their robes. Imagine the scene. Jehoshaphat even brought his throne with him when he came. And they're sitting there arrayed in their robes. They're sitting at the threshing floor at the entrance to the gate of Samaria. And that's where kings would, the entrance to the gates of the cities, that's where they would normally sit. If you've been to Israel, we, we actually go to a couple of places. Dan, tell Dan is one in particular, where you go through the gates as you walk through and you see where the king would sit. It's quite, a, it's pretty awesome to, to see that. And so just imagine they're sitting at the city gates as they're coming in and just imagine this scene now. Zedekiah, the son of Chenanah, made horns of iron for himself and said, Thus says the Lord, these you, with these you shall gore the Arameans until they are consumed. All the prophets were prophesying, say, thus saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and succeed, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. I mean, can you imagine? He makes these iron horns. He's going, Yes, go. You can gore them, you know, and running all around. I mean, just, just craziness. And... I, I, can only, I can't, Jehoshaphat's got to be sitting there going, this is so bizarre. <laughs> then the messenger who, sent, who was, went to summon Micaiah spoke to him saying, he went to Micaiah and he says this to Micaiah, behold, the words of the prophets are uniformly favorable to the king, so please let your word be like one of them and speak favorably. Uniformly favorable uniformly wrong. And there again, another great lesson. I mean, we tell our kids that, right? Don't we? Well, if all of your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? But again, oh, so, you know, it sounds so silly when we're talking to kids, but when it becomes adults, all of a sudden, well, everybody seems to be going this direction and, and leaning this way. And, but I know, I know the word of God says this. Everybody at work is, is gonna go to this place after work, and they're all, kind of, you know, and it's, you know, so, uh, it, and I know I shouldn't, but, you know, just because everybody's doing it, just because it's uniformly favorable, guys, does not make it right. And oftentimes, as Christians, we're gonna have to make those, those difficult decisions. I gotta be, I gotta tell you, this is a proud dad story. My daughter, they had a, a couple of weeks ago, she's a senior, gonna be graduating here pretty soon, and they had senior ditch day at, at school. And I'm not proud of the fact that she participated, but, but she stayed home. She actually stayed home and helped her brother do some homework and, and do some other stuff around the house, senior ditch day, because all, all, most of her friends and a lot of, most of the classmates went up to the lake. A lot of them got, were drinking. A lot of them got into a bunch of trouble. A couple of them got expelled and won't be graduating. But my daughter, you know, even though it was a lot of pressure to go up there, she said, you know what, I'm, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And sometimes we have to take a stand because we know it's wrong and it might not be favorable to the, to the crowd, but it's honoring to God. And so Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what my God says, that I will speak. Whatever God says, that's what I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna be pressured into that. And guys, that, that doesn't just go <laughs> as the job of, of me as a pastor, you know, that you know, I, I, 
sharing what the word of God says. No, that's all of our job. Whatever God's word says, that's what we share. That's the truth. It doesn't matter what our culture says, where the world might be going. We have the truth and we have to, whatever God's word says, that's what we speak. When he came to the king, the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I refrain? He said, go up and succeed for they will be given into your hand. Then the king said to him, how many times must I adjure you to speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? I can only imagine he probably said, sure, go on up, like, you know. <laughs> because immediately he sees right through it. He says, how many times do I have to tell you? Don't, don't mess with me, just tell me what, what God is really saying. So he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each of them return to his own house. Then the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, see, <laughs> didn't I tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me but evil? Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on his right and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab, king of Israel, to go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said this while another said that. And then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, how? He said, I will, I will go and be a deceiving spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. Then he said, you are to entice him and prevail. Also go and do so. Now therefore, behold, behold, the Lord has put a deceiving spirit in the mouth of these, notice, these, your prophets, for the Lord has proclaimed disaster against you. He's, he's, he's telling them, your prophets, they're, they're gonna tell you what you wanna hear. They're gonna tell all of that, but again, it's deceptive, it's deceiving. You go in this, you will not return. You will die. Now, I... I have, I have no doubt that if Ahab would have fallen on, the, on his face and repented before the Lord, he would have been forgiven. They could have re-looked re at this whole thing and gone together with, with, with God, what is it that you want us to do in this situation? And it would have a totally different result. But just like we see so often, he disregards that. And then he's gonna think, I, I, and I, I believe he believed it, but he's thinking he's gonna outsmart God because we're gonna see he comes out with this, this, this plan to try to save his own skin. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, how did the spirit of the Lord pass from me to you to speak to you? Micaiah said, behold, you will see on that day when you enter an inner room and hide yourself. Then the king of Israel said, take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, thus says the king, put this man in prison and feed him sparingly with bread and water until I return safely. Micaiah said, if you indeed return safely, the Lord has not spoken to me. And he said, listen, all you people. He cries out to, if he comes back alive, God didn't speak to me. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up against Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle and you put on your robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into the battle. Jehoshaphat said, okay. <laughs> you dress up like a king and stand up so everybody can see you're the king and I'm gonna dress up like one of the soldiers and go into the battle. And he did. 
But again, we see the sovereign hand of God protecting and fulfilling what was said. Now, the king of Aram had commanded the captains of the chariots, do not fight with the small or great, but with the king of Israel alone. Don't, don't worry about the commanders. Don't worry about all of this. You find the king and you kill him. That's all we're worried about. So when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it's the king of Israel. They turned aside to fight against him, but Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him and God diverted them from him. So they start chasing after him, just like, just like Ahab was planning. They're gonna chase after Jehoshaphat. They see he's the, dressed up all like the king and kill him. So that starts going. He must have been thinking, yes, it's working. And then all of a sudden God diverts that. When the captains of the chariots saw that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. Verse 33, now a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel in, the, in a joint in the armor. So he said to the driver of the chariot, turn around and take me out of the fight for I am severely wounded. The battle raged that, raged that day and the king of Israel propped himself up in his chariot in front of the Aramean until evening and, the, and at sunset he died. Verse 33, he drew his bow at random. So he just wanted to make himself look like he's fighting, I guess, and you know, impress his superiors, whatever. So he pulls the bow back, he shoots, it up, shoots this arrow up, not aiming at anything, that's what, at random. It just shoots it up in the air, and it comes right down, and it hits Ahab like in the only spot in his armor where it could do it, just shoo, and he dies. So he has this grand plan, it's gonna work. They're gonna kill Jehoshaphat instead of me. It's all gonna be great. Again, God protects Jehoshaphat even though he made an alliance he shouldn't have, shouldn't have been there in the first place. But Ahab meets his end as it was prophesied. Chapter 19. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned in safety to his house in Jerusalem. Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him. Now, if you remember, Hanani was the seer who went and told Asa and confronted Asa with, with his sin of making the alliance with the king of of Syria, and remember Asa had him thrown in prison. Well now, Jehu is the son of Hanani coming to the son of Asa, Jehoshaphat, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord and so bring wrath on yourself from the Lord? But there is good in you, for you have removed the Asherah from the land and you have set your heart to seek God. Now you remember, as I just said, Asa's reaction when he was confronted was to be angry at the messenger and angry at God for bringing that message to him. But we see a different reaction, and I think, again, just my own opinion, completely my opinion, but perhaps because he learned from watching his father suffer from re refusing a rebuke and learning in that that if God brings a rebuke to me, I need to receive that, perhaps. So Jehoshaphat lived in Jerusalem, went out again among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim, and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their fathers. So he does again, sweeping revival, bringing them back to the to God of their fathers. He appointed judges, notice in verse five, in the land and all the fortified cities of Judah. And he said to the judges, wouldn't this be great if this was part of our swearing-in ceremony for our judges? Consider what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord who is with you when you render judgment. Now then, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Be very careful what you do. For the Lord our God will have no part in unrighteousness or partiality or the taking of a bribe. Sets up judges to 
judge the people, their different disputes, as we'll outline in just a second, but he sets it up right away. Understand this, you are accountable to the Lord God for the judgments that you make. You don't take bribes, you don't, there's no partiality involved in this. You judge righteously because God will have no part of unrighteousness. In Jerusalem also, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and the priests and some of the heads of the fathers of the households of Israel for the judgment of the Lord and to judge disputes among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then he charged them, saying, Thus you shall do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and wholeheartedly. Whenever any dispute comes to you from brethren who live in their cities, between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and ordinances, you shall warn them so that they may not be guilty before the Lord and the wrath may not come on you and your brethren. Thus you shall do, and you will not be guilty. Behold, Amariah, the chief priest, will be over you in all that pertains to the Lord, and Zabaliah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, in all that pertains to the king. Also, the Levites shall be officers before you. Act resolutely, and the Lord be with the upright. Chapter 20. Now it came about after this that the sons of Moab and the sons of Ammon, together with the Menuhites, came up to make war against Jehoshaphat. So after all of this has been going on, there's been peace, as we mentioned. Jehoshaphat, the only battle that he's been involved in was one he shouldn't have been in. But now we see after this, three very individually formidable foes join forces to come against the Judah. Then some came and reported Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, out of Aram, and behold, they are at Hazazon Tamar, which is in, in, that is, in Gedi, which is down by the Dead Sea. Jehoshaphat was afraid, notice, and turned his attention to seek the Lord. Again, I just go back to what I, how I started this out. Four years old, he saw his dad do the same thing. This formidable army coming. He's afraid, but he turns his attention to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. Not just his eyes on the Lord, but everybody's eyes on the Lord. Judah gathered together to seek help from the Lord. and They even came from all of the cities to seek the Lord. Again, like we taught and saw earlier. And even in chapter 16, if you'll remember verse nine, it said, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. He's looking for this, and here they are coming, coming to him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and in Jerusalem and in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? Are you not ruler over all the kingdoms and the nations? Power and might are in your hand, so that no one can stand against you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? They have lived in it, and they have built you a sanctuary there for your name, saying, evil shall come upon us, the sword or judgment or pestilence or famine. We will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house and cry to you in distress, and you will hear and deliver us. Does that sound familiar? That was part of Solomon's prayer of dedication, if you'll remember, back, back when he dedicated the temple, back in chapter six. Now behold, the sons of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you 
did not let into Israel invade it, invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. They turned aside from them and did not destroy them. See how they are rewarding us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given to us as an inheritance. Now, all of these things that he's saying, talking about the power of God, the glory of God, the promises of God, as he's telling all of that to bump up God's ego or to remind God just in case he forgot? <laughs> no. And that's never why when we go in our prayer, in our prayer, this is a great outline for our prayer. Almighty God, all-powerful God, your word says, it's not to remind him or to pump him up, guys, it's to remind us who we're talking to and the promises that he's made us. We can stand on those promises. God promised, if, if you will humble yourself, if you will turn from your sin, if you will seek my face, I will forgive you and I'll heal your land. That's the promise he made. That's what they've done. And now they're holding that up and saying, God, we've done this. Hear our prayer. Heal our land. Verse 12, oh God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this great multitude are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children, everybody before them. And I love that. <laughs> they come together, they cry, they, they lay, lay out, this is our desperate need. And they even say in that, we don't know what to do. Now, some of you might say that's, that's not the sign of a very good leader. I'll tell you, that's the sign of a great leader. The sign of a weak, a weak leader would be, I don't have any idea what I'm doing, but I'm gonna say something so I don't wanna look foolish. Sign of a great leader is, I don't know what to do, Lord, but we're gonna wait here together on you. He's leading in this, and notice they're all standing before the Lord, all of them. Then in their midst of the, earth, the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jeziel and just you're wondering, case, which Jeziel it is, it's the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Matiah, the Levite, the son of Asaph. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him as they're waiting. Again, they come to him, we don't know what to do. And God speaks to them and gives them the answer. Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not fear and be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Don't fear. This isn't your battle to fight. This is God's battle to fight. Tomorrow, this is what you're gonna do. Go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the, at the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley in front of the wilderness of Jeruel. You need not fight this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all the Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. The Levites and the sons of the Kohathites and the sons of the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord God of Israel with a loud, very loud voice. That's the response. They fall down and worship. They stand up and praise. They heard a word from the Lord, and they know what to do. Now, I love this because in verse 20 it says, they arose early in the morning. So that tells me 
they, they, they hear, they're, they're all worried, right? They all get together, they're fasting, they're praying, they hear from the Lord, they're so comforted by the word of the Lord, they worship and they go home and they sleep like a baby. They just, and they get up early in the morning and they're raring to go, because they believe. Guys, I, if, if we believe what God's word says, that's how we should approach every day. Not worried. We should, we, should, we, should, we should sleep better than anybody on the planet as Christians. Getting up every day, God, what do you have for us today? Went out in the wilderness of Tekoa, and when then they went down, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, O Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord, your God, and he will, and, and God and you will be established. Put your trust in the prophets and succeed. Trust in God, he's gonna take care of it. When they had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army. So he gets the praise team and the worship team and he puts them out in front of the army. <laughs> this is how we're gonna do battle today. The army, you guys just kick back. So you're not gonna do anything anyway. God's got this. We're gonna go out and we're gonna worship him. Get the worship team out front. When they began singing and praising the Lord set ambushes against Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. Now, we're not exactly sure what that is, but it probably, the video is going to be cool. <laughs> Who had come against Judah, and they were routed. For the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. <laughs> so they turned on this first group initially, two on, two on one, wiped them out, and then they turned on each other, completely wiping each other out. And meanwhile, the worship team's going, and the army's standing back there, yeah. When Judah came to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and behold, there were corpses lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people came to take the spoil. They found so much among them, including goods, garments, valuable things, which they took for themselves more than they could carry. And they were three days taking the spoil because there was so much. All you can carry, take it home, come back. All you can carry, take it home, come back. Three days on the fourth day. And we know what happens at the fourth day because, right, Lazarus stinketh on the fourth day. This place has got to really be bad by the fourth day. So they assembled elsewhere. They assembled in the valley of Barakah, for there, there they blessed the Lord, therefore they named the place the valley of Barakah until this day. Every man of Judah and Jerusalem returned with Jehoshaphat at their, at their, as their head, returning to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps, lyres, trumpets, to the house of the Lord. And the dread of God was on the kingdom of the lands when they, were heard that what, when they had heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God gave him rest on all sides. Now Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was 35 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 25 years, and his mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhi. He walked in the way of his father Asa and did not depart from it, doing right in the sight of the Lord. The high places, however, were not removed. So we see again another unfortunate part. There's a couple of things as we do here. Again, didn't turn away, following after God, trusted God, but again, somehow kind of taking his eye off because here we see some of the high places coming back again. 
because not all the hearts were turned after the God of their fathers. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat, first and last, behold, are they not written in the annals of Jehu, son of Hanani, which is recorded in the book of the kings of Israel. Now, a couple of minutes. Uh, 35 through 37 here, I had mentioned this earlier, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel. He acted wickedly in doing so. Ahaziah now, following after Ahab, he makes an alliance again, even after receiving the initial rebuke, saying, don't do that. But now he's not gonna do it with, an, with going into war. He's gonna go into business together with him. So he allied himself with him to make ships and to go to Tarshish, and they made ships in uh, Ezion Geber. So Jehoshaphat Ahaziah Shipping Company. Then Eleazar, the son of Dodavua, the Marishite, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. So the ships were broken and they could not go to Tarshish. So he learns the lesson the hard way again. Went in saying, okay, we're gonna do this. We're, you know, I know we don't, you know, you're following all of those bales and all this other stuff. I follow Yahweh, but let's, let's do this together because the end, we're gonna have a whole bunch of gold because that's the whole, that, that was the idea behind it. But again, guys, the ends never justify the means, ever. We have to follow what the word of God says. And he went, went against, even again, the word that came to him. Don't do that. That was, that was evil. Goes to do it again, even for different reasons. But God destroys the work of it. Wipes it all out. Ships get built, never sail. Because God, God destroyed it. Well, let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for your word and the lessons that are here for us. We thank you for a godly man like Jehoshaphat, even though there were areas in his life where he made mistakes, didn't follow after you completely, but we see a, a humble man, certainly, a man who, who did truly love you and desire to follow after you. And God, what again, a great example for us. Lord, let us learn the lessons, though, because your word tells us that these are recorded for our learning, so we don't have to fall into those same mistakes, doing those same things. Lord, your word tells us that we're not to be making alliances, going into business, getting into relationship with those who don't know you. But Lord, yet we are to be in the world, not of it, in it, to proclaim your truth. And Lord, we pray that as we, as we stand for your truth, as we are salt and light in this world, Lord, that they would see and notice a difference and want to know why, give us an opportunity to share the truth about you. Thank you again for your word. Bless the rest of our week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. We'll see you this weekend.